Welcome to Smut Lovers, the podcast. The one place designed to talk about all things smut. For years, the word has carried negativity, but it's time to take back and own it. In each episode, you will spend time with spicy romance author Nikki Rome as she interviews readers, authors, and kinksters about all things romance. Do you have a book you love, but you've been too afraid to talk about it? Leave all that worry at the door and join us as we dig into what we love and what we hate about smutty books. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Smut Lovers, a podcast. I am Nikki Roma, a spicy romance author, and I am here tonight with Shannon Elliott. Hey, Shannon, welcome. Hello. As we usually do, let me tell you a little bit about her before we jump into all the fun stuff. So Shannon resides in Houston, Texas with her fur baby and writes romance whenever she's not at the dog park or curled up with a good book. Evidenced by her background in theater, she is drawn to storytelling and the creative process. Shannon believes that diverse and inclusive stories shouldn't be the exception, <clears throat> but they should be the rule. Happily Ever After is for everyone, and she aims to write romances that reflect her readers. I love it. Welcome. <laughs> so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, and I'm really excited for Smut Lovers in September. I know. Oh, look at this. I love this. We're already plugging the conference. Yeah. <laughs> we are very excited about Smut Lovers in September. Did you get your ticket yet? <laughs> but really, That's though. all I do is ask people, do we get your ticket yet? Did you get your ticket yet? Shannon will be with us as a signing author, which is super exciting because you'll be there for the whole weekend in all the chaos. Yes, I'm excited. Yeah. I love a good chaotic moment. I know. I thrive in chaos. And so I feel like I'm just planning an entire weekend of it because why not? I, I mean, everything perfect. started small has turned into just, it, uh, yeah. Okay, just but like no good mess. idea stays small. So just think of it that way. You know, I need to write that down and put it somewhere because I keep going, how did this shoe get so big? <laughs> Like, what happened here? Someone had recommended a performer for our Saturday night after party. And I was like, well, we've already got six. And they were like, what? I was like, well, it was like a party. And then I'm like, I didn't want to just be a DJ in a dark room. And then I'm like, well, maybe we'll have a performer. And then I'm like, maybe we'll just throw a whole fucking variety show. Because why not? You know? Yeah. So, well, and then um, you have we'll, all we'll your speakers. And I'm super excited yeah. because a lot of them are my like friends and mutuals on TikTok. So it's yeah. like, I'll get to see Lo and Ashley and all these people. And like, Ruthie's going to be there. I'm like, hmm. Star I power. <laughs> I know. We've got a lot of people, a lot of heavy hitters. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think the best part is so many of them are doing like the round tables and stuff. So mm -hmm. it's kind of the more intimate setting, which is a blast. I don't know how we're going to fit it all in, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to see all the things I want to see. <laughs> are you recording sessions? We are. We're recording okay. all the panels. So if anybody gets a virtual ticket, they will be able to pick it up and see it live and then they'll get the copies. And then anyone with the reader VIP or the author weekend passes or our signing authors will get copies of it after. So that's all fun. But Same. I can't record the round tables because it's just impossible. There's like yeah. 10 of them and they're all over. They're going to be all over the property where we're staying at the hotel. And so I'm like, just pick your favorite person and then <laughs> but the idea around the round tables was to get ideas for full panels and workshops for next year mm. and so we've already made the decision that we're adding a full extra day for 2024 to expand into some of these round tables that have already gained so much popularity that there's just been so many requests i love yeah. it i love all of it that's very exciting it is all right, so tell us a little bit more about you. So we know about your fur baby, which is amazing because any of our longtime listeners have, I have heard a little our, mine in the background. I of him in the background. Oh, my goodness. Yes. 
he's adorable and I love him. So um, he's a little puppy, I'm assuming, compared yes. to my monster beasts. He's holdable, that's definitely for sure. Nine he's an actual lap-sized lap dog. Mine think they're holdable, but they're not. Um, but that's good. Um, mine also have no social skills, so dog parks are out for me. <laughs> But that is fun. How did you get into, so you've been a reader for a long time. I know, I, I know because I've followed you on TikTok for a while. So for those of you who don't follow Shannon already, we'll make sure we get her handle and all of her contact <laughs> stuff in the show notes because she's hilariously fun. Um, but you were a reader long before you were an author, which is probably the case for most of us. So take us back a little bit through that kind of like reading journey. We'll start there. I always love trying to figure out where people kind of came from. Has romance always been your thing? What did you, were you different genres? Are you like unapologetically a romance junkie? I am unapologetically a romance junkie. Um, you could say that I am a romance whore even. I love it. It's fine. Um, I actually started reading historical romance um, because it was the things that I could find most easily in my bookstores and my secondhand yeah. bookstores. Um, so like devoured that. It's actually how I met one of my best friends. I met her through TikTok because she was re like recommending historical romances that I also loved. And I was like, we should be friends. Um, nice. And so that's lovely. But I started reading historical romance, eventually like found TikTok after a couple years um, and started reading like contemporary dark romance, eventually found Why Choose Romance, um, devoured like the 280 books in the first year that I was in, like on TikTok, devoured like 316 the next year. And so wow. it got to this point where like both me and my family were like, Shannon, you do so much reading. You are a storyteller at heart. You have a like degree in theater. You, this is something you could do. Why haven't mm -hmm. you done it yet? And so I started writing the story that like had been floating around in my head. And so Angels in the Dark and Devil in the Dark started because I was reading all this Why Choose where all of the love interests were men. And I was like, mm. and a lot of them were all white men. And I was like, mm -hmm. but like, what if it was sapphic? Or like, what if you had a trans man or like a non-binary character? And what if they all weren't white? Like, what would that look like? And so, like, that it question... Like reality, actually. <laughs> exactly. Which I think is where, like, the whole, like, romance that reflects my readers comes from is because mm -hmm. I want people to be able to see themselves in my books. Um, and so, like, this little tiny kernel turned into this whole idea. And I don't know, it's not super active now, but when I first started on TikTok it devolved into creating a discord where we have like 1500 members. Oh um, and I made a couple really good friends through the discord and they were the ones who started as alpha readers for me and they still are. And so it's just been kind of this like domino chaotic, like falling into <laughs> writing romance, but it's been a really wonderful process. And now I'm working on two different projects and two different genre series or subgenres of romance. And we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> see where this whole thing takes us people are like so how'd you get started i'm like well how long do you have i know do you want the abridged version or like the, the abridged version will take five minutes the long version might take an hour 
<laughs> I love that though. I do. Again, the storyteller in you just has a tendency to shine when the questions are asked. And yeah. so I think that's so ironically enough, the episode that's going to air before you uh, is Christian Pan, who is also an author, but also a performer. He lives in New York oh. City. He's been in theater for years. And so I'm curious about, and I ask you the same question that I asked him because I, you know, he started writing in the, during the pandemic, cause everything was shut down. He's like, yeah. couldn't, couldn't do anything. And so he had taken a writing class, a workshop or something like that and got into it. Um, but I'm curious is your opinion of how much of that theatrical background and everything that you did in performing and studying all that over the years really comes into play during your writing process. And were you, were you surprised about how much or how little it actually does? So correction but a tiny one I wasn't a performer I was a designer so I did mostly costume design but also I was trained in scenic lighting makeup like literally everything um and so I will say that like it has had a huge impact on me as a storyteller fundamentally, but also as a writer, because like I took script analysis classes, I took history wow. of theater and composition classes and all my English classes, but also yeah. all my like character design classes and the classes for costume design where I was like, okay, break down this character to its most essential parts and who are they? And then build them back up from there to create a vision for what they look like. But when you're doing that, you also have to come up with like through the process with the actors well what are their mannerisms what does their posture look like what kind of clothes do they wear because of this like do they need any assistance um for like accessibility reasons do they need a cane a watch glasses like all these super tiny minute details I was trained to be like this is something that naturally goes with this person. So when I started my writing process, I always start with a title and my characters. I never know what's going to happen, but I start with like three or four words that are like this fundamental thought that I have. And here's a cast of people, or at least the core cast of people that are going to tell this story. And so I start building each individual character and figuring out, well, where do they fit in? And we kind of devolve from there. <laughs> <laughs> and then the chaos ensues. I exactly. love that. Like, I can, I mean, I can't imagine how helpful that's got to be. I mean, especially, I don't know. I mean, I was never, character development was one of the things that I struggled with the most when I first started writing. I was always scared all of my characters were going to look and feel and sound the same. Right. Because if you read a lot of romance books, sometimes that has a tendency to happen. <laughs> yeah. And so I just I think the outlook that you've had because of that experience has got to just make it. I mean, oh, my gosh, it's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. But I mean, it helps that like I have a background in art because as part of the character building process, one of the first things that I do is I do thumbnail sketches of my characters so that I get an idea of like, what are their facial features? What is their build like? Um, and then I make little notes that are like, oh, they have green eyes or they have blue eyes yeah. or they're blonde or whatever. Um, and so it's like all these like tiny little skills that I thought I'd never use once I graduated because I decided not to go into theater after that. Um, yeah. Turns out they're very helpful. And then like yeah. all the project management skills that oh, I had I to imagine. learn for like just keeping track of all the stuff in theater theater. Um, man, that's really helpful. I wish yeah. they would have taught me more about budgeting though. <laughs> yeah. I got budgeting for 15 plus years in banking, but, um, the rest of it is just, it's a learning process every day, my friend. Yes. That's Let's for talk sure. a little bit about representation because it was clear that you obviously could identify the fact that we had just a ton of white dudes in most of our books. Right. Um, and so, 
what were your, did you have, did you have any concerns or struggles when you started developing your characters, worrying and wondering what they would look like, what it would read for a customer or for a reader who was going through and, you know, getting the representation of everyone correct in the book? Um, cause I think sometimes some of the stuff that we, I don't know, just is from the reader side, reading it is either over or under explaining a character's either physical description and things like that, uh, where it almost feels like kind of a bland representation, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Or kind of in like tokenism over, almost. Yeah. yeah. Or an over explanation where you're like, okay, I get it. I know. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go into that much detail about somebody normally. Why are we going into that much detail about such and such character? So did you feel like you struggled with that a little bit in the beginning? Or did you find some good representation in books previously that you were kind of able to use um, as inspiration for you as you were moving forward? I don't think it was that I found inspiration in other books. I think it was that I found frustration in other books. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, I had a lot of examples of books that I loved. And I was like, but why didn't you take this one step further? Why didn't you like just change these small details to make it a little bit different? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not that there's anything wrong with those books. Like I have them all on my shelves, right? but, um, and I only buy signed copies. So like, they're there for a reason. Um, but like, I, I will say that like what I was reading was missing something for me. And so Mm -hmm. when I was developing characters, that was the very first thing in my mind. And so for me, it was, I'm not seeing the queer representation that exists in my life. And -hmm. then from there it devolved into, well, I'm not also seeing the POC representation in my life. I'm not seeing the age difference in my, like that is in my life. I have such a great community in my day-to-day existence, but I don't in my books. And so when I started developing characters, I started with like real life examples of who people were. So one of my characters, um, Cy, is from Louisiana. He's a black man. His family is Haitian Creole. Um, And so like he also speaks Haitian Creole. And very conveniently enough, one of the people that I grew up with, his family is Haitian Creole and he speaks Haitian Creole. So it's like... I I have friends who are trans. I have friends who are non-binary and asexual. I have friends who have kids or don't and like exist just on this wide spectrum. I have friends mm-hmm. who've done like sex work. I've have friends who have done banking jobs and like me, I work in a uh, school. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, it just was taking those real world experiences and those very real feeling people to me that I love dearly. And it's like, okay, but if I wanted to give them a voice in a story that I told, what would that voice look like? And mm-hmm. you just kind of layer it until you feel like it's good. But I will say in my first draft of Angels in the Dark, I completely forgot to describe two characters because I introduced them halfway through the book and I thought I was done with describing. And because <laughs> I'm such a visual person, it's like, but this is already in my head. Why would I need to describe it to anyone? Yeah. And so I had a reader point out, um, question, what do they look like? <laughs> and I was like Especially oh. if you do such a great job describing everyone else and then you kind of miss somebody, right? <laughs> exactly. So I went back and I changed that. Um, but one of the other things that I did is I have every work sensitivity read. And so mm-hmm. like when I have questions about things, I reach out to my sensitivity reader and they kind of like clear certain subjects with me. 
Um, but then also they gave me really great feedback on, Hey, here's your blind spots, um, of like both character development and just like fundamentals of your writing, what you're missing, what makes your work more inclusive and like drives me towards that goal of making it reflective of the readership that I hope to have. So lots of different pieces. I love that. Let's take a quick second and just define sensitivity reader and kind of explain that relationship between authors and these key people um, for our listeners that aren't familiar with the term. And so many authors use sensitivity readers to basically they're, they're relying on either their lived experience, their researched experience and so forth to ensure that we have representation of regardless of what we've got in our book. If it's not similar to our own lived experiences. Um, and so, Shannon, did, how did you find those people? <laughs> I mean, is it, because I imagine you can't use just one for everything you're writing. I mean, you're, you've got a book where, and let me just, I'm going to flip over real quick just to share with our readers, because if you head to Shannon's website, it actually gives you a list in her books of all the different types of representation and such that you're going to see in there. I'll see if I can get that to load back up again, because it's not just like the one token character that you've got in your books, is it? No, no, no. For well, POC representation, you've got Creole, Black, Hispanic, Japanese, and Filipino all listed, right? It's not common that we see that much in one book. For LGBT representation, ace, bisexual, pansexual, non-binary, and trans. And I love that there's so much in there, right? But as an author, is it difficult to kind of balance all of that? Because I imagine you're going to need a handful of different readers to help with different stuff, right? Yes. So um, I I know some authors are like, I don't want anyone to read this until like it's ready. I am a toss everything at the wall and see what sticks kind of author. <laughs> um, so I have on my alpha team um, people of color who reflect like my characters that I'm working on, people of the LGBTQ um, community. So I have people of my intimate team that are like very kind of attached to the work that are involved mm-hmm. in the creating process. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that creating process is done and I reach a certain level of editing, then I'll send it off to a sensitivity reader. And so to me, a sensitivity reader is an expert in certain areas or certain um, like topics, either by their own personal lived experience or through like extensive research that can take a look at a work, go through, identify what are the like problem areas in this, what are like suggestions that they have for um, how you can improve it, what are areas that like may be a little sticky, but also depending on like where you came from in that like certain area, maybe it's okay. Um, And then also in my case, my sensitivity reader was like, and here's all the resources where you can continue your own learning. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. (laughs) Um, And so like between just people that I love being like, hey, this is how I would represent this. Um, Mm -hmm. And like the professional aspect of it, I think you can figure it out. I will say like for my trans character, um, he, spoiler, gets shot. (laughs) And there's a scene where he's in the hospital. Um, He's not in the room, but there is a like moment where there's like medical gender discrimination and a character who is like a side character tries to use their dead name and the entire group goes absolutely the fuck not you will not be doing that and it it was necessary to the plot it's not like I was just dropping that in right, to be political. Right. but I had my reader Reese read it and I was like 
am I fucking this up? Am I going to make someone mad? What's going on here? I wrote it. It felt right. Is it right? Right. And he was like, no, this is like a really good way to do that. Because like, A, the character wasn't in the room. So they didn't have to be like re-traumatized by that or anything like that. And also the immediate response from the characters who love and care about Jay were like, "Mm -mm -mm, we do not stand for that. And so it's like a very definitive line. Um, And then there's other cases where it's like a little bit more gray. And so like one of the um, like smut scenes in book two, Devil in the Dark, is between Sai and Juliana. Well, Sai is a black man and it is a primal scene. And so there is like a very um, real problem with representing um, people of color and especially black men as aggressive and as Mm -hmm. animalistic. And so it was like a very fine line that I had to walk. And that was a case where my sensitivity reader, Emmerich um, Fair, went through and was like, okay, here's how you can like do this in a way that's not going to further those stereotypes or further that negative perception of black men. And I was Mm -hmm. like, cool, typey, typey, type sent it to them and they were like change these things it was like awesome and then we went through that process a couple of times and by Mm -hmm. the time that we got to the final product I was confident that like this is something that I can stand by I love that I think the due diligence that you do speaks wonders for the amount of care you take in creating the art because I mean it is creating art it's also a business and it (laughs) can do a shit ton of damage if it's not handled correctly Um, And I think we've all seen that, you know, I mean, for those of us who spend any time on social media in the world of books, it's like every other week we've got somebody fucking up yet again. And so I love it. I love the processes that you've been able to put in place while you're developing these amazing characters that, you know, they are going to touch somebody somewhere that is looking for something similar to themselves in a book that they've not seen before or looking for something similar to a friend or a partner in a book that they've not seen before. And I just feel like that is so important. And give you props for that that's awesome thanks (laughs) let's uh let's shift gears a little bit i want to talk a little more um so romance is obviously your diehard let's talk a little bit about like your absolute all-time favorite authors things that actually just give you that motivation to keep going you've got any one-click people that are out there that have just had a huge impact on your life just either as a reader or an author or anything like that Yes. So if you direct your attention to my bookshelf, just kidding. <laughs> the beautiful um, one behind you is the signed books that are intentional. I love that. So like, I will say like Katie Robert, one click author, Sarah, um, Sarah Bailey, one click author. Catherine mm-hmm. Moon is like directly behind me. One click author. Um, Catherine Moon is actually her Lola and the Millionaire's books or a duet was the first Omega verse that I ever read. And it was the first time that I went, I can do this. I read it and I was like seriously addicted to it. I have multiple copies of it. Um, And it was the first time that I saw like a story structure that I thought I could really work with. And so in a sense, I wrote a duet because Catherine Moon wrote a duet. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And so it was like, once you find those examples of like authors that really kind of like vibe with you, it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. We we kind of know what we're doing right now. Um, I read a lot of Omegaverse, surprisingly. So unsurprisingly, that's one of the series that I'm working on, like, next. And with that kind of, like, genre, there's a lot of new authors. So it's, like, I have a lot of new one-click authors that are, like, they only have three books out. And I'm, like, give me more, please. Yeah. Um, so it's always kind of fun. And I never, within romance, there are only a very few things that I won't read. and so. Mm-hmm. 
anything can become an obsession for yeah. any period of time, my lifetime or just like a month. So we'll see. <laughs> it's always one of those. I know I was, I was actually talking to an author friend last night that I was with and I'm like, I miss like, it's, I feel like it's been a while since I found an author that I just have devoured their entire backlist and absolutely everything that they write. Right. I mean, it's, I feel like before when I was first getting into reading romance, I was finding them all the time because for me, it was like all new and fun and like, this is amazing and that's amazing. And, but I've gotten more and more picky now that I've figured out certain subgenres that I kind of lean towards and so forth. Sounds like you love some Omegaverse, which has come up quite a few times on this podcast and I've shared it with everyone else and I will share it with you. I refuse to read one because I do not need a new addiction at this time. Um, and I have a feeling like there will be a no turning back situation. Yeah. I started a holiday Omegaverse around December of this year and I was like, nope, I'm not going any further. Not because the book was not good. It was because it was too good and I was like uh-uh no don't have time for this right now entrance um, into wonderland kind of thing <laughs> it is like and I am certain that it's going to be a very dark and deep hole for me at some point in my life probably sooner rather than later but what are some of like I mean even in the world of a megaverse right you've got all your tropey things and so forth what are like some of your absolute favorite tropes do you have any that you're just kind of like eh, it's not for me yeah what are your what are your absolute faves there so I love why choose. Um, mm -hmm. I think it comes from a fundamental belief that I am unlovable. And so therefore the idea, <laughs> sorry, that's, that's between me and my therapist. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, no, I thought you I love you. Immediately my heart dropped. To as long as but, we're the therapist is in the loop, we'll leave that one alone for now. It's okay. <laughs> but like at a certain point in my life, that was one of my fundamental beliefs. And so the idea that multiple people could love me for various different reasons of my personhood, very appealing. So the whole multiple love interests really appeals to me. I also firmly believe that there's no such thing as like a limited amount of love. And so like a representation of unconditional and ever expanding love is very beautiful to me. So love anything why choose. I think that another big one for me is like sex positivity, especially when it comes to like kink, BDSM and lifestyle representation, because those are things that like are part of my life. And I get frustrated when they're done poorly and I get really giddy happy when they're done right. And so I try to seek it out because I want to read more good representation and I want to write more good representation of those things. In terms of like specific tropes, I love pregnancy ro like romances, but not when it's a surprise pregnancy in the sense that it's like the third act like breakup kind of thing. I need it from the beginning and I need it to be part of the like growing romance that like there is going to be a baby added to this like relationship or whatever. Um, okay. Can I just pause and tell you how much I love that? Because I talk about pregnancy romance down here all the time and I always have to preface it with, I know everybody doesn't love it, but it's one of my absolute favorites. And I'm sorry, but if we could add breeding to pregnancy romance and like, I want to see the baby in the like dream come true book for me, dream come true. Which is hilarious because I want nothing to do with children in my personal life. <laughs> Listen, the fact I got I two of them. I wouldn't recommend it. I'm like, you know, love mine, but too much work. Very tough. Very tough. I'd rather read about all the fabulousness that happens in these books instead of like living the chaos. <laughs> yes. I get that. Um, I guess the other big one for me would be that I love reading um, trauma, <laughs> in a sense. Um, I really enjoy 
like seeing a character's arc be that the female main character or one of the love interests um, go through like their own journey of healing, probably because of my own history. And so that's just like another area that I enjoy. Try to think if there's any other big ones for me. There probably are. I'll think of them later. I know they have a tendency to come through. I'm a, I do, I've got to admit, I do love trauma too. Um, when it's done right. Yes. Right. Like I, I like knowing about it. I like seeing what it's done to the character. And I like the, I like the way a relationship can help a person heal. Yes. I also like when it's addressed that you don't need a relationship to heal, but it's really nice when you have a strong, solid one that's going to help you move forward. And so, again, I, I think it's one of those ones that's like super tricky, right? If it's not done right. And as you know, as a signing author of Smart Lovers, we're obviously super passionate about the kink and BDSM stuff to be done right. Our conference, our community, our podcast is because there was so many times that we've read it and it was not done right and can be super frustrating, you know, and it doesn't have to be perfect every time, but we've got to be slightly realistic here in some aspects. My dear friend of mine always says, you know, we've got to learn the rules before we can bend them. And I absolutely believe in that. We're not always going to have by the book perfect kinky sex, right? I mean, I have an author I saw recently who like posted on their page and was like, listen, this is not a manual. Everything I write is not consensual. Like I write dark romance. We have scenes that are set up purposely to show the consensual piece of it, but it's not always the case, right? Yeah. And I think that's okay in the world of books. (laughs) It all depends on what you want and what you're looking for. But I think it's also extremely important to understand the differences between these types of things. And so, um, you know, that's some of the fun part of creating. Uh, As long as you know it, you can mix it all up, mix it all up. There was something that you had said earlier and I, something about the smuttier version or smuttier scenes. Um, Do you find in your books, do they have a tendency to be kink heavy or just spice heavy or... Is it just kind of a combination of both kind of thing? I think it's a combination of both. And it depends on like where it is in the arc of the book. Mm -hmm. Um, So like there, I think that BDSM kink, whatever is a spectrum. Um, Mm -hmm. There is especially like the lighter end, which a lot of people probably engage in, but just don't know, like spanking. A lot of people probably do that. Would they consider themselves like kinksters or practitioners of BDSM? No, that they would might be very against that. And so I think that mine kind of like span the spectrum where it's like, for example, in Angels, I have a scene between the female main character and one of her love interests where he goes down on her. But it's also a dominance scene where she's exploring for the first time what it means to be a dominant woman to a man who is giving her his submissiveness so there's like what kind of seems vanilla stuff like that um and then there's the stuff where you're like ah yes we're breaking out the strap on or like the rope or whatever it is um and I think I like to explore both sides so like one series that will come out eventually is going to be a series of seven books that each focus on a different kink specifically And so in those, like safe practices and all those types of things versus in like 
an Omegaverse, I'll probably include it. There's no way that I'm going to get around it with my personality. <laughs> um, but like, it probably won't go that in depth. Um, yeah. It depends on what feels right for the scene. Probably also what mood am I in when I'm writing a spicy scene? <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, and I think there's also like, is it kink just for the purpose of kink? Just like, it's like, is it fucking just for the purpose of fucking in the book or is it actually progressing the plot? Does it have something to do with the storyline? And I think that part is just so important. <laughs> I mean, there's a difference between writing erotica or writing pornography or writing erotic romance or writing romance. And then mm -hmm. there's subgenres of all of them. And so like, depending on what your reader is looking for, they want to know what to expect. And I think that's part of it too, is our responsibility as authors is to explain, this is what you're going to get in this type of book. This is what you're going to get in that type of book. Even if we are bending the rules of our tropes and genres and so forth, which I'm all for all the time. But it does. It gets complicated sometimes. It really does. I so, think one other thing is that, like, when you're delving into, um, like you said, you have to learn the rules before you break them. But especially when you're writing, like, spicy scenes between consenting adults or non-consenting adults, you have to be really careful of, like, the language specifically that you use around things. Because my biggest pet peeve whenever there's, like, kink BDSM in a book is when people misrepresent specifically through the language. Like I know it happens a lot of time when people are referring to sex workers in books and it's like the language that's used around them, the like overall attitude that's used around them in the terms of their trauma, their empowerment, all those types of things. Some people do it well, some people I get very angry at. And so like, it's such a nuanced kind of sub genre, I guess that, um, just be careful of what you're reading. <laughs> yeah. Ironically enough, that would be why we were running a sex worker roundtable at the conference. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> because it is always, not always, it is oftentimes misrepresented um, within our books. And it's just, again, another one of those things where let's figure out how it really works before we start bending those rules to yeah. suit our own needs. <laughs> So I'm very curious as to where your seven book kink series, where the idea came from for that, or where most of this inspiration kind of comes from. Cause it sounds like there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different things, information that you're filtering in. And then you create these masterpieces of this art that becomes <laughs> your stories uh, and these ideas and so forth. So where did that one kind of come from? So the seven book series, it's actually introduced at the end of Devil in the Dark. Um, it's called the Playground Club series. And it is based on my own exploration of kink and the lifestyle. Um, so the basic premise is that each book, there is a quote unquote unicorn or a single woman within the lifestyle. And um, her finding real, meaningful relationships versus what most people know as unicorn hunting. And so within that, I had this basic premise of like, okay, there's this friend group and they're like really close. They go to this club. How do they find love? Because I always think that's interesting. And what does sex look like in that context of how you find relationships, especially when it comes to multi-partner relationships or dynamics and different things like that. And so each one of those books focuses on a different kink because I wanted to kind of explore what does it look like when you are giving 
your own submission to someone in the context of a relationship, whether you want love or not. And what Mm -hmm. does it look like if you do want that in the beginning? Or what does it look like if you don't? And it's something that comes along the way, whatever it is. Um, And why is it that that's important to an emotional relationship just as much as it can be to a physical relationship? Because I think that for me has been a much more emotional like journey than I ever thought it could have been. And my therapist knows too much about me now. <laughs> I love that. You know what mine does too. It's fine. <laughs> she actually asked me at one point, she was like, I had a conversation with my boss because I find it very interesting what you do for a living. And I, and I, I felt like it was probably appropriate to ask what your pen name was. And I was like, Ready to get real, real inside my head? Let me, let me, let me let you read some books. <laughs> Look, I talked through an entire arson scene with my therapist. I was like, is this like bad of me? Like, do I have, am I the problem? Do I'm I have issues? Is it me? No, no. I mean, it's creative writing. It's, you exactly. Know. And she has yeah. copies of my books. So like. I know. <laughs> I keep waiting and wondering if I'm going to go into a session and she's going to be like, okay, so I start dark kings um <laughs> what about that kitchen scene <laughs> bloody not sexy although it's kind of sexy i mean Just, i don't that's kink not where the house. that's not where the blood play comes in <laughs> much further in much further in but yes. um i mean i i don't know i love it i love everything about it because it's just fun right i mean when you get to this point where what you're doing for a living becomes what you've always loved to do that's, I think, one of those things. One of the big things at Smut Lovers, obviously, is kind of reclaiming the word smut. Now, have you ever had one of those times where you felt like you've kind of had to hide or mask your love of, like, all things romance, reading romance? Do you tell everyone that you write romance? Is there certain environments you're more comfortable in it than not? <laughs> I, I have never felt, like, uncomfortable saying that I read romance. Um, sometimes when I get into the details of what I read, I like, <laughs> let's go vague. But like my entire family knows that I write romance. They know my pen name. My entire office knows that I write romance and they're very supportive. I told them if they read them, you're not allowed to tell me because they'd learn too much about me. <laughs> um, but in general, I have always been a person, I think part of the reason I write like romance and sex and smut is because I want to be sex positive. So Mm -hmm. I don't see a reason why I should ever hide or be ashamed of the fact that like, I like kinky shit. (laughs) Um, But like, I do think in terms of like, especially because my origins as an author kind of come from TikTok, there's definitely like a different attitude where it's like, I started sharing about romance and my author journey in front of like thousands of people, whether they liked right. the videos or not, I was still putting them out there. Yeah. Um, and so it, it got me really comfortable with talking about it in the privacy of my own apartment, just to a camera. And so then when people <laughs> ask me questions about it, it's like, well, I've already given this spiel to a thousand people on the internet and they seem to like it. So right. regurgitate, I guess. <laughs> I know. Well, it's kind of funny. Cause I feel like, I mean, I was one of those people that I didn't know anyone like me who read the stuff that I read. And so Mm -hmm. it was one of those like, oh, well, do I really want to tell people? (laughs) And I had a lot of really awkward situations over the years sharing my love of certain (laughs) things to people. And so I'm like, no, we're just going to keep that a secret. Did you find in the beginning it was kind of hard to share that stuff? Or is it because you were talking to a camera in your room on a tripod or in front of a you know computer you found it easier? 
I think that like baby Shannon definitely had a point where it was like she was uncomfortable with talking about it, um, mostly because it's like I was still probably at a point in my own personal sex journey where it was like sex in general just made me uncomfortable. So like, how am I supposed to talk about it? But like once I started sharing on the Internet and like kind of putting my thoughts and feelings into a format that's like permanent. Um, it got a lot easier for sure. And then once I started writing it, it's like, well, this is no longer an issue. <laughs> yeah. We're good now. We yeah. jumped in with both feet. Yes. I think I kind of felt the same way. Um, when my mom started reading my books and was like, yeah, there's a lot of sex, but you know, it's needed for the plot. I was like, I don't care anymore. And tell the world what we're doing here. <laughs> I told my parents, um, my mom's like specifically not allowed to read them, um, because of the gore, not because of the sex. Ah, yes. And, um, I was at a birthday dinner with like for her. And a bunch of her friends from church were there. And um, one of the women turns to me and she's like, I read Den of Vipers. And I was like, Ooh. okay. And she's like, I heard you wrote a book. Can I read it? And I was like, you have permission to read it. To read if it. You can read, I think she said Den of Vipers and also um, the uh, Zodiac Academy series. Yeah. I was like, I promise that you will probably enjoy this. And now she texts me about it like all the time. And she's like, when is the next book coming out? I'm like, soon. It's coming soon. Patience. Um, so it's like you, you find the people where you're like totally comfortable talking about it. And then you find the people where it's like, and we're going to establish boundaries. Like my coworkers, I have boundaries with them. Yeah. <laughs> they know. No. <laughs> I just don't discuss the details with them. Right. They're very excited for me whenever I publish a new book and they're like, how's it doing? What's the ranking? Like how many have you sold? They ask all sorts of questions, but never about the content. That's good. That's good. They've got a really nice boundary that you've placed there. Yeah. I love that. I know. Once I started telling people what I did, you start finding these people that are in your life that um, either read romance and you're kind of surprised by like my aunt shocked over that one. Like I've known you my entire life. I never knew you read romance books. And she's like bored and retired and like, maybe I could proofread for you. I'm like, nope, probably not a good idea. Nope. And she was like, why don't you just send me the one that you're working on now? And then I could like try it. No. Nope. Not a good idea. Especially because the one she needs to read before it is called erotic behavior. I'm like, nope. Love you. But no, nope. If you go get it on your own after me telling you, no, that's a different story. But I'm not going to provide it to you. (laughs) If you do this to yourself, that's your own problem. But I refuse to be the catalyst in this situation. I get that. Absolutely. I love it. All right. So tell us a little bit about what is coming in the future for you, because well, we know obviously you'll be at Smut Lovers. You've got another signing coming up this year. We know mm-hmm. about your seven book project. Anything else you want to share with us? Yeah. So um, the seven book project definitely still on the like table for going to work on that. But I started working on an Omegaverse three weeks ago. Um, and so that's new for me. <laughs> and it dissolved from one story to three now. So it's going to be a whole thing. Um, but I'm very excited to be working on that, especially since I read so much of it. It's like, that sounds perfect. Um, but then in June, at the end of the month, June 30th, um, me and Alexis C. Maness, we put together an anthology called Queer and Cute. And it is an anthology of like 35 authors who have all written stories that are um, like neat cutes, but all of them are gay. And so it's like sapphic and bisexual and trans and all these things. And you're just like, it's me. And I get 35 meat cutes in like the fantasy (laughs) genre, contemporary, Omegaverse, like we're covering everything. Um, oh, so that okay. comes out June 30th. And I'm very excited for that. 
That's awesome. We actually shared that anthology in our group early on when it was announced, because I think we've got a couple signing authors who are in that one with you, which is really exciting. Now, it sounds like it's a monster, so it will probably never make it to paperback, or are you going to do like a multiple volume thing? No, it's actually going to be in one, um, because our formatter is a badass. Wow. Okay. (laughs) It will be reaching the max number of pages that Amazon will allow us to print. (laughs) However, it will be in print. I love it. I have one like that that I was in. It was a holiday one. It's sitting on my desk. I'm looking at it. It's like the biggest size you can make. And it's still like this thick. And I'm like, no, I need a copy. I need a copy before it goes out. I need a copy of a book that's that big. (laughs) Yeah. Just for the sake that it happened, you know, like I conquered. Exactly. That's my thoughts. Congratulations. I think that is absolutely awesome. It sounds like you have Thank a you. very, very busy year ahead of you. Um, and I we're like, very several years. I was going to say, and we're like almost done with it. So <laughs> this is everything. It's just going to keep on rolling on it. But you know, I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Shannon, this is an absolute blast. Pardon all my dogs and chaos and the flashing lights. Did you see the lights flash a few times? For those of you who are watching a video, we have a massive storm here in Florida right now. <laughs> Lucky we've had power as long as we have. <laughs> but this was awesome regardless. For those of you who are patrons and listening, stay tuned. Head over to Patreon because you know when our long form goes live, as will our bonus content. We're getting ready to record it now. All that spicy goodness fun. All right. We'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks again, Shannon. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Smut Lovers, the podcast. For more content, be sure to join our Patreon for an extra kinky 15 minutes with today's guest. Also, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at smutlovers.org. Until next time, happy reading.